Welcome back to another episode of That's Business. Today's guest, Dan Rowland, is my boyfriend and the mascot assistant for the Detroit Pistons and is a stage manager for the Detroit Lions. He has previously worked in other professional sports divisions, including the USFL, NCAA, USL, and OHL. Outside of work, Dan is the team captain for the Mount Clemens Regulars, which is a local Metro Detroit vintage baseball team where they implement the rules of the 1860s. Dan, welcome to the podcast, as I know you got bullied into it. How are we doing today? I'm great. No long-time listener, first-time caller. <laughs> happy to be here. Happy to be here. Now, something you get asked often is how the heck you got into working for the Pistons, working for the Lions. So take us through what you want to be when you grew up and how'd you end up here? Well, I think every little kid wanted to be a professional athlete Yes. when they were a kid. That doesn't happen for everybody. So I guess how I got into the Pistons was I was an intern for this tiny soccer team. And they started in Rochester um, called Oakland County Football Club. Um, we had some people from the Pistons like kind of showing us how to run a game day. And I guess they took notice of my hard work and dedication. And they gave me their business card and they're like, email us in the fall and we'll give you a job. So kind of just a right place, right time kind of fell into my lap and I've just been sticking with it ever since then. (laughs) Now I want you to walk through because as the mascot assistant, what do you do? The Pistons mascot Hooper. I focus on external appearances, just accept the internal ones. It's easier to do that. Go to him to all the functions, all the games, be his eyes and ears because he can't see or hear anything in the suit. So um, capture social media and kind of everything in between. So now with that, what has been the coolest celebrity interaction or something that you were like, dang, this is so cool as far as events go or people? Uh, we meet so many different people and celebrities where you kind of just have to keep your cool and act like you've done it before. <laughs> but uh, I guess this past year, seeing Big Sean again was a lot of fun. He, he like dabbed me up, which I thought was... <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It was cool. It was cool for the moment. <laughs> add that to your resume. Big Sean dab me up. That should be your fun fact. Honestly, we should add that. It could be. It very much could be. I like that. Now with the Lions, what a killer season to get in and work with the Lions. So how did that opportunity come up? They reached out looking for people. This kind of goes back to the spring where the USFL team, the, the Michigan Panthers were playing. The Lions were kind of helping them put those games on. So they reached out to Pistons, like, hey, do you know anyone that can stage manage and like help us out? So they reached out to me. That kind of threw me in the deep end for that week because they contacted me on Wednesday, Thursday, and their first game was on Saturday. <laughs> so it was kind of like thrown in the deep end, sink or swim, but we figured it out. Did a pretty good job, I think, because they asked me to. Well, actually, after the season, I reached out. I was like, hey, like, if there's anything I can do during blind season to help out all nothing's beneath me like i just want to get involved and get my foot in the door so like yeah actually we have something you can help us do and so i help kind of do this like pre-show thing for them and that's a lot of fun but it was another opportunity so well and i think you bring up a good point of even if a contract ended or what it was two months you did usfl i think like yeah two Two, three but you reaching out and just putting in that recruiter's head because didn't she reach back out to you at like 5 p.m. on a Friday or something crazy? Yeah, it was, was kind of late. You remember. You were there. I think it was. But 
It's so funny because he wrote this email and what a lot of people don't realize is if you are willing to travel, you don't have whatever pets, kids, or if you do and you have someone that can watch them, that you can jump on these contracts because being a recruiter, we can't find anyone just willing to take like a month contract or someone like you who's like, hey, let me do it. Like, let me get involved. And that's like a huge opportunity and you can make some really good money doing that. Yeah, absolutely. Now... With what you're doing for the Lions, with that opportunity, I mean, obviously, everyone's talking about the Lions, the hottest thing right now of us actually having a good season and us fans are like, is this a fever dream or is this real? So how has it been being at Ford Field, being involved with and seeing every game so far this season? Well, even when they were not good, that place is always electric and bumping. But now that, you know, they actually have like a winning team out there and you know, the offense is clicking, everything's clicking. There's definitely a lot of buzz down there. And Detroit's definitely a football town first, I think. So the fact that we have a good football team now, everyone's super pumped for it. Yes. And they just want to be there. And it's always the case. And something I've always appreciated is like, I don't feel that. I mean, there are always bandwagon fans, but I know we've been going to Lions games even in the 0-16 season and all. And it's like, when will it be our time? I relate us to the Chicago Cubs of what, 120 years? They never won anything. It's got to be our year eventually. (laughs) (laughs) Like if the Cubs could see it, we could see it too, right? Now, transitioning to talk about vintage baseball, because before we got together, I didn't even know this was a thing. And it was literally they play in my very backyard, like next door to where I grew up. So how did you get into vintage baseball? Let's start in the beginning and then we'll go through the rules and the differentials there. It's probably like 2018, 2019. I was just in my bed scrolling through Facebook uh, the one day and I saw just a video popped up on like, and I guess it's your for you page, whatever Facebook has. Cause I wasn't following the page and it was vintage baseball. So it's uh, baseball played from the 1860s. So like that civil war era. Um, and I just thought it was, they're kind of like explaining what it is. Like, how it's played and whatnot. And I was like, wow, this is super cool. Like, I wonder if there's a team near me or anything like that. So I found this Facebook group and I messaged the admin, Barrel Roller, his name is. <laughs> uh, we have uh, nicknames in the community, uh, Matt Bernard. So I just sent him a message. I was like, hey, like, I want to get into vintage baseball. Like, how can I find a team? Like, what can you do to help me out? And came in super clutch he signed a map of the entire state of michigan with all the teams on it and he's like yeah find one that's close to you and try to reach out because teams are always looking for guys so that's what i did i contacted a few teams and then the team that really was recruiting me the hardest was the uh, mount clemens regulars ray pachuda who was the captain at the time was just recruiting his butt off to get me over there do you even know if how good i was or if i could play he's just like Hey, come out to our practice, check it out. Like, we'd love to have you. And they like to drink. So, <laughs> <laughs> the important stuff there. Now, because I want you to share, and then of course I'll share my perspective. But what does it mean, 1860s rules? And I know this is a big debate of like which way to play right, but what are the main differences from 1860s to today's day and age baseball? Uh, so, we wear like these funny outfits um, that they would wear during the time period. Um, we don't use any gloves, so it's bare hand baseball. All uh, the balls, it starts off pretty hard like a regular baseball, but you only use the one ball during the game, so it gets softer as you go along. Then you kind of figure out how to take it. You're not just going to 
people always think of like worst case scenario. If I try to play this, I'll break my hand. It's like, no, you'll you kind of figure out to get soft hands and figure out how to feel the ball. Um, wood bats. I guess that's depending on where you play. Some, some places do that. Um, can't overrun first. There's this, a bunch of, if you play this, you can see how rules have evolved over time. Like there's no infield fly rule. So like a lot of time the runners are left out the dry and there's nothing you can do about it. But there's just countless rules depending on what year you play. And yeah, you can kind of just see where the game evolved. Well, and it's interesting too. And I think a big difference is you pitch underhand. So it's not like line drives to the face all the time that I think a lot of people think happens. Or like you said, you learn how to take it. I mean, there's rugby players, which they're nuts and awesome, but you know, you learn how to deal with it and your body adapts over time. Now, something interesting too, I mean, there's so many interesting facets of it, but pitch count, is pitch count a thing? No. No. So you, I could stand up there and take 20, 20 balls. Well, eventually, like, I guess if you want to call him the umpire, he'll like either give you a warning and start calling strikes on you or he'll call a warning on the, we call him the hurler, so the pitcher. To like, hey, you know, throw it in the zone. Like, you need to start swinging the bat or I'm going to call you out. So a lot of times, like, people kind of sit up there. Just depends how relaxed that umpire is. So, Gotcha. How do you schedule people? Because I thought it was just a Michigan thing. It's not. Look in your own backyard if you're listening to this. But how do you find other teams? Well, Michigan's like a big hotbed. So there's teams all over the place in, like, the Metro Detroit, uh, Western Michigan, Grand Rapids area. There's teams everywhere. Um, there's teams down in Ohio, like the whole Midwest is covered. There's teams down, we're in Florida right now. There's teams, uh, in Florida, all up the East coast. And then, um, there's some teams sprinkled out, out West, like Colorado and those kind of States. So, but scheduling, um, usually like your teams is kind of form relationships with the teams around you. So you always like, we'll schedule those teams every year, but it's always nice to get, you know, hey, we haven't seen those guys in a while. Let's play a game and uh, we could hang out after and maybe reforge those friendships. So it's probably not as hard as you think it is to schedule games, but most teams just, hey, let's pick a date. This is what I have open. This is what you have open. All right, let's do this date. And then the teams will just show up. <laughs> a lot of people that I tell, oh, you play vintage baseball, they're like, oh, like Greenfield Village. So if you're in Michigan, Greenfield Village, how would we explain it? It's a museum. It's an old grounds as far as, I don't know, kind of like its own little town of what, 18, 1700s, 1800s, 18. 1800s. So there's the old sawmill. There's different things they do. If you've ever gone during Halloween, you probably saw Dan playing baseball as a ghost in the outfield. What has Greenfield Village brought? Because the in-group calls it the village. So... What's it like playing at Greenfield Village where you have the whole atmosphere and, I mean, they really put on a show and kind of talking about what worlds are, too? Oh, uh, there's definitely a lot of plays, like kind of museums that do that. You know, those are really good spots for like exposure to kind of bring exposure to the game because it's a grassroots kind of game. Not a lot of people know about it. So having places like Greenfield Village, um, the Ohio Village, uh, like Gettysburg, like places like that, that can really like bringing exposure to the game is they're great i know greenfield village they have this thing called the world tournament it's really just trying to recreate the detroit tournament back in the day so it's trying to recreate that kind of thing um but there's teams from all over the place that come play like all the best teams that want to make the trip to michigan 
So I played it this year for the first time. It was a lot of fun. We played a team down in, from Illinois, like the Rockford area. Um, we played a team um, in Maryland. So it's kind of cool just to see guys from different states come together and try to compete at the highest level. And what's interesting, because again, first time I'm seeing this exposed to this whole world and it is every weekend we I go to games and whatnot. But within the community, I feel like there's all mutual respect and there's not really drama or anything you would see on like a like a softball league or a beer league or something like that but it is the mutual respect and it was so cute watching grown-ass men like tackle each other in hugs and like man I haven't seen you how are you been blah 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 but it's a super cool community I feel like you're all very supportive and the fact that I mean you all partied after <laughs> and they all stay at the same hotel like it's so cool even people from out of state looking at the 2024 season what exciting things are coming up or what are you most pumped for? I've kind of scheduled us kind of aggressively. <laughs> um, I put a lot of dates on our calendar. Um, we're going to go to Kalamazoo. That's like a good two-hour drive yeah. from where we are. Um, they're having a festival going on there. So there's going to be 16 teams from the state of Michigan, Illinois, maybe Ohio. They're going to come together and, and play in that. Um, so it's so cool to see teams from other states. Um, I scheduled the Field of Dreams down in Iowa. So like if you've seen the movie, they rent the field out. Because it's the same set, right? Where the movie was? Yes, it's the same area. So you can play under the lights like they do in the movie. Um, so we're making that trip out there and it's going to be a might cry. I'm a cry. <laughs> Dan is a crier. It's okay. We appreciate it. Yeah, but uh, it's really hard to find a team to come make that trip because it is a time commitment. It is a financial commitment. You know, you have to rent the field and... You know, it's eight hours from us. So it's like, hey, how are you going to convince another team to do that? So I asked teams from all over the place and I finally found one, the Canal Dover Red Legs in uh, Ohio. So I really appreciate them. You know, they were totally gung-ho about it. They were super pumped. Uh, they didn't think twice about it. They're like, yeah, let's go. We'll do it. So we've never played them before. Know nothing about them, but this is our first time going and it's their first time going. So it's going to be really cool to experience that with them. My first time going, so I'm excited too. What are the age ranges of the players that are involved in vintage baseball? It's typically like 18, and there's a guy on our team in his 70s, so that's like the range. Uh, we've played teams that have used like kids younger than that, and like in high school, and you know you don't treat them any different. I think that's a kind of cool part of our game. Um, we're encouraging them, and there's not a lot of like trash talk, or if it is, it's like kind of playful. It's like banter. But yeah, that's kind of the age ranges there. And of course, in sports, you get heated and you say things or disagree with a call. So something I found super interesting, and I forget what you call it. It's like gentleman's call or something where if, let's say, the second baseman thinks he got you out, but the base runner says, no, I was safe. Who makes that decision if the ump didn't see it? Typically, you would kind of just like talk it out. Like the umpire is like the last resort, like if you can't decide on it. Um, but typically you and the guy that you had to play with, like you talk about it, kind of hash it out. And if you guys can't come to like, oh, you got me or whatever. Usually this is a gentleman's game. You don't like lie about it, but sometimes that happens, um, unfortunately. But, you know, if you guys can't come to an agreement, if you're out or safe, use that umpire and he'll just sometimes he's not paying attention and he'll just call you safe probably and you just move on from that and just there's never any ill will and if there ever is you know you kind of just hash that out on the spot hockey without the fighting but 
<laughs> you're an asshole. No, you're an asshole. And there have been games where I've been at where there have been disagreements or whatever said, but I feel like someone steps up to the plate, whether it's the captain or the veteran player that knows everyone and says like, hey, man, like this is what's going on. And I apologize for that. So I like that there's that communication piece because like anything in life, communication is key. Now, a question I know you get asked too, are women allowed to play? Because in 1860s, they weren't. I don't know if they were or not, but. They weren't. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, they definitely can't. We weren't even allowed to vote back then. So no, they definitely couldn't play a sport. No. Um, There are women that play in the game. Uh, I know teams like North Hill have women. Uh, They Detroit, uh, early risers of Detroit. I know they have a a woman that plays on their team. So women can play it. It's just if they want to kind of step up to play and take it on and play the game. But I guess depending on where you are in the country, I know there's some states that do have all women teams that kind of play um, like an 1860s style game or even like kind of further on, like you think of like league of their own, like there are teams that kind of recreate that too. So there's definitely time period things that women are a part of. For sure. And it's interesting too, because we talk about inclusivity and I feel like a lot of it isn't in sports or it's like, well, you're either like the best and you're professional or you play locally. And I really do feel vintage baseball is actually inclusive. Like it's for everyone. The one game we had, I think a few middle schoolers come and it was one of the players kids wanted to play who was on a travel baseball league and they're kicking butt. It was awesome to see. And no one treated them like children. It was like, Oh heck yeah, man. Like it was just awesome to see. So question I like to ask, are you still looking for people? If someone's listening and wants to get involved or go check out a game, what can they do? Uh, Facebook is your best friend for vintage baseball. If you're in Michigan, you know, you can just type in vintage baseball and then like the city or cities you're near, there might be a team by you. Um, But I know there's teams always looking for guys where we are always looking for guys, preferably who know how to play baseball. Um that's my like hard like line that I'm not going to cross. You know, it's great to have people that come out there and haven't played before or any kind of baseball, but it's like, I just, I don't want to go through that learning curve, which sounds a little selfish, but there's definitely teams around, you know, get a part of it. Even go just go to a practice or go check out a game. And so it's a really fun sport to see. And I'll put in the show notes, Dan's email and the Facebook page. So y'all can go reference that if you want to learn more about vintage baseball or all the badass cool things Dan does or follow Hooper and Pistons on social media, which is awesome. As we wrap this up, what advice do you have for listeners? Uh, I guess professionally, don't burn any bridges if you don't have to. You know, sometimes you have to. This is how life is sometimes. But, you know, even if you have a bad boss, you know, just try to find some middle ground and be Switzerland as much as you can. Do the jobs. Because, you know, no job is beneath you. Work hard and try to keep your ego out of it as much as you can. Um, That can be our worst enemy sometimes. Socially, play vintage baseball. (laughs) Uh, Go check out vintage baseball. This game needs to grow. I'm 29 and I can see myself playing this till I die. So, or I'm until I'm unable to, but I will always be involved in it in some way. Support your lover. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I am his lover. It is me. 
Dan, thank you for letting me bully you into being on this podcast. It was a great time. You have a very fascinating career. As we know, you're welcome. For those of you listening, if you want to get more involved, head to the show notes and tune in again next week for another episode of That's Business. If you're looking for a career change and you're not sure where to start, the Resume Rescue can help. Sure, there's no such thing as the perfect fit for everyone, but here at the Resume Rescue, we're on a mission to find the perfect solution for you. Whether it's changing careers, updating a resume, learning LinkedIn, or practicing interviewing, we have you covered. Find us online at theresumerescue.com and find all of our contact info in our show notes.